0: You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. This morning we begin a new series. It's called Roots, Stories of Renewal. And this morning, we will begin that process looking at one of the key biblical uh, characters, the father, Abraham. Throughout this series, we'll be exploring stories of people of faith, those who have placed their trust in God, and then looking at ways that their stories intersect with our own. For all who have placed their trust in Jesus today, we are the spiritual descendants of these men and women who trusted God long ago. Today we begin that journey with the renewal story of Abraham. Scholars believe that over 400 years had passed since Noah and his family had survived the flood and begun to repopulate the earth. Abram, who God later changed his name to Abraham, was the son of Terah, And he lived in the city of Ur with his father's family. Now, Ur was located on what we uh, know today as the Persian Gulf. It was up on the northern side of the Persian Gulf. Terah and his family were wealthy. They were owners of large herds and flocks. They had many servants. But Terah worshipped false gods, as we saw in Joshua 24, 2. So God makes this personal call. Remember, there's no Bible at this time. God makes a personal call to Abram. And this is what he says. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. God purposed to remove Abram from the influence of his family of origin, to take him to a new location, to build a relationship with him, and to begin the process of building a people for himself that would one day bring the Savior of the world. Now, Abram didn't know God at the time of his calling. So both God's call and Abram's response are important to us as followers of Jesus today. First, God initiated the call to Abram. Abram was not looking for God. Second, Abram heard God speaking to him. He audibly heard God. As I said, there's no Bible in those days, so his response to God is all the more remarkable. Third, Abram responded to God's call in obedience. He believed God, it says. And Abram's belief was followed by his action. In Genesis 12:4 it says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. Faith in God is not merely a mental assent. It is belief, but it's followed by trusting God, which is followed by action. The process moves from head to heart to action to hands. From hearing God to trusting God to acting in obedience to God and his call. Abram's response then becomes the model, the model for all people who encounter and then respond to God. The author of Hebrews in the New Testament declares this, without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. To understand Abraham, it's important to know the promise that God gave to him. In Genesis 12, 2 and 3, God says this to Abram, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, Abram wasn't a spiritual giant when God called him. What Abram brought into the relationship with God was his belief that God, the creator of heaven and earth, had spoken to him, that God had a plan for his life, and that God, and he was willing to trust God and move as God had called him to do. Further, he believed God even when everything in the natural world, most likely including his friends in Ur, would have thought he had had too much pizza and beer the night before. He and Sarah had been married for a long time. They were childless by all human accounts beyond childbearing age. But God chose to give them sovereignly what is called in Scripture the child of promise, in their advanced age, as a sign of his ability to bring all his promises to fruition. What God had declared to them, God was able to bring about. First, God promised Abram that though he had not had children yet, that he would make Abram's descendants into a great nation. Second, he promises Abram that he will bless him and that his name will become great and that Abram would become a blessing to all the world. Abram tried to figure out how God's promise could happen and concluded that he needed to make one of his servants, Eliezer, his heir. And so this is what Abram said to God. You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Ah, then the word of the Lord came to Abram. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, look up at the heavens and count the stars if you can count them. And then he said, so shall your offspring be. In Romans 4.3, Paul declares Abram's response. Paul says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him As righteousness. James in his book affirms that Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness, and then he adds this, and he was called God's friend. Abram's belief was not merely a mental assent, but it expressed the trust he had in God and in the promises of God. Abram's active, Action-oriented belief became the model for how we develop an intimate relationship with God down to this day. God reaffirms his promise to his servant that what didn't exist at the time of the promise will come to pass. Only God can call things that aren't as if they already are. That's one of Pastor Charlie's favorite lines. Only God can call things that aren't as if they already are. In Genesis 22:17, 17, God says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. God's promise to Abram has stood the test of time. Today, many nations can trace their roots back to Abraham, but none more important than Israel through whom God would bring the long-promised and long-awaited Messiah. Through his descendant in the flesh, Jesus, God would make good his promise to Abram that all the world would be blessed through him. But Abram's story doesn't end there. God once again spoke to Abram and said, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. God chose Abram to know him. God promised Abram that he would protect him. And Abram's greatest reward would not be all the material things that God blessed him with. It would be his relationship with God. Abram and Sarah were looking at their advanced age and concluded they needed to make God's promise happen by their own human actions. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? They didn't believe at this stage of their lives that God could bring about his promise through Sarah giving birth to the child of promise. The result of their unbelief was a child, Ishmael, by Sarah's servant, Hagar. The consequences of their unbelief were that the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac have been in enmity with each other. From that day to this, God also promised Abram that his descendants would inherit the land that God would give them. In Genesis 15, 7 and 8, God says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram questioned God, O sovereign Lord, How can I know that I will gain possession of it? So God made covenant with Abram that night. God had Abram prepare an extensive animal sacrifice, a heifer, a goat, a ram, a dove, and a pigeon. He had Abram cut the animals in half and lay them out in a row, side by side. The covenant process was very familiar in Abram's day. When two men wanted to make a contract with one another, this was the process they went through. Because when they walked together down through these deceased animals, what they were saying is, if I break my promise to you, let it be to me as it is to these. So God wanted Abram to understand how serious this covenant was, and he uses the process with him. What they were committing themselves to was a sacred promise. So covenant is a deadly serious commitment. But only God passed through them. This unconditional covenant was dependent on God alone, to bring it to pass. Genesis 15, 18 says, On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. So what we have come to know is the Holy Land was promised by God to Abraham's descendants through his yet unborn son Isaac, a landmass much greater than the size of Israel today. It would extend from the Sinai, the river of Egypt is not the Nile, it's a river that is out in the Sinai Peninsula, all the way across east to the Euphrates River. Israel has never settled this entire region, but because God promised it unconditionally, it will come to pass in the future, most likely during the millennial kingdom it's important that we recognize the unconditional nature of god's promise to abraham that he seized with his coven- that he sealed with his covenant there's nothing that israel had to do to inherit the promise god alone would bring it to pass why because he promised to do so When Israel's national faith in Christ is finally accomplished during the millennial kingdom, they will also receive the blessings that were promised to them by God so long ago. This is what God promised his servant, Abram. As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. First, the covenant has no end point. It's everlasting. Second, the covenant applies to all the generations of Israel to come in the future, Even in the times of their great disobedience, when God removed them from the land, his promise was that they would once again be restored, and so they have been. In my own lifetime, Israel was restored to their land and once again were established in their promised land. Surrounded by their enemies who have tried numerous times to destroy them, Israel has not only survived but prospered back in the land that God gave them. All of the promises of God are yes and amen. What God promises, God does. He cannot lie. So that when he speaks of the future from our perspective, he already knows the outcome and he prophesies it in his word. Third, the name change that God makes from Abram to Abraham is significant to God's promise to make them a great nation. Abram means exalted father, but Abraham means the father of many, many nations. The covenant that God made with Abraham, he also promised to confirm with his son Isaac, the one born of Sarah. Isaac was to be the line of the promised one, God would also bless and multiply Hagar's son Ishmael by Abraham, but not as the line for the promised one. God would also confirm his covenant with Jacob, Isaac's son. God would change Jacob's name to Israel, the name that his descendants would eventually use for the entire nation. The sign of the covenant was to be circumcision which all male descendants of Israel still follow today because this is an everlasting covenant. By the way, both Abraham and Sarah laughed when they were told that she would bear a child at age 90. You and I would have probably laughed as well. When confronted by the angel of the Lord, she tried to deny it, but God told them to name the baby Isaac, That name means laughter. Isaac would be a constant reminder to Sarah and Abraham that nothing is impossible for God. But the story doesn't end here. Sarah gave birth in her old age to the child of promise. Isaac would grow and have sons as well, one of which Jacob would continue the messianic line, As we saw earlier, God would later change Jacob's name to Israel, a name familiar to us today because of the nation that bears it. This true story is a great reminder to us that all that God purposes to do, he will do, he will bring to pass. Worship team, if you'll come back up. Abraham is called the father of faith because he trusted God. So what does the life of Abraham teach us about God and how he interacts with us, his creation, and how we're to receive from him and also seek him in our lives today? First, Abram wasn't seeking God. God came seeking him. Since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, our fallen human nature doesn't know God. It doesn't choose to honor him. We still don't seek God first today. He seeks us by his spirit. And then we have the opportunity to respond to God just as Abraham did so long ago. Second, when God sought out Abraham, Abraham chose to respond to God. In believing God, Abraham was renewed by God, and he became the father of faith. So today, we too are called to believe God and to believe his word and to be renewed as new creations in Christ. Third, Abraham wasn't perfect But when he strayed from God's presence and direction in his life, he was quick to turn back to God. He was quick to repent. Repent means I'm headed in this direction, but I come to understand I need to be going this way, and I do a 180. And that's what Abram did. Abram and Sarah's early decision to try to bring about God's promise to them by their own human efforts produced disastrous results that have continued through the ages down to our time today in the ongoing Arab-Israeli tensions and wars as Abraham's descendants through Hagar have hated and opposed Abraham's descendants through Sarah. However, Abraham's later model of trusting God and following his direction led to his renewal, and as the scripture says, he became the friend of God. His renewal provides us with a scriptural model of what a mature relationship with God looks like. By placing our trust in Jesus alone and following him in the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I are renewed in our relationship with God, and like Abraham, we are able to walk with God trust him to direct our lives in the here and now and right into eternity. So how does this life story of Abraham speak to you today as a follower of Jesus? You have many advantages today that Abraham didn't. But Abraham's story is given to us as a model. It's a model of two things it's a model of the consequences of not believing God and it's a model of the blessings that come when we choose to believe God. ultimately Abraham believed God and the scripture says it was credited to him as righteousness by his God. Today you and I are called to believe what God has done for us in Christ Jesus and allow him to transform our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit as we choose to follow him. Because you and I believe God, we are renewed and we receive as Abraham did the righteousness of God. Because Abraham is called the father of faith, we're his spiritual descendants. So here are four questions for you to take away from the message today. First, how does Abraham's story of renewal speak to you in your own relationship with God today? Second, how did God seek you and begin to renew your own life? Third, How does being renewed because of your faith in Jesus change the way you are living your life today? And finally, who has been impacted because of your renewal in the Lord Jesus? Like Abraham, God calls us to be renewed in Christ, to trust and to follow him so that he can work first in us and then through us, so that he is glorified and others will be able to come into the kingdom of God and inherit what Abraham inherited. Like Abraham, God calls us to be renewed, renewed in Christ, to follow him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your word which allows us to be renewed through our Lord Jesus Christ. As you did with Abraham and Sarah, do what only you can do in our lives so that we may be renewed and live out your purpose for our lives. And we come together and ask this in the great name of Jesus and the people of God said together, Amen. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.